The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Okay, so are you or have you struggled to find work that nourishes your soul yet also still provides stability? I mean, do you feel like you're maybe dancing between security and soulfulness in day-to-day responsibilities? If so, you're not alone. In fact, that is the very question presented to us today by our listener, Elena, who has been a senior office manager for years and is facing this challenge as she longs for more meaningful work aligned with her performer and maven sparkotypes. And And at the same time, she also values financial security. So how do you do this dance between finding something deeply meaningful, purpose-driven that expresses who you are, and also know that being in financial integrity for you means taking care of those needs and looking for stability. And to dive into and explore this balance, the tension between stability and self-expression in our episode, I'm joined by Spark Brain Trust member, Jenny Blake. So Jenny is a podcaster, career and business strategist, and an award-winning author of three books, Life After College, The Groundbreaking Pivot for Navigating What's Next, and her recently published Free Time for Optimizing What's Now. And in this conversation, Jenny, she draws from navigating creative work and steady income through running her own business for over a dozen years and share some thoughts to consider roles that maybe better allow our listener, Elena Sparkotype, to shine through, like facilitation, training, or sales, even within her current organization. And for now, Jenny also takes a look at easing the pressure through non-work creative outlets, finding activities to express her Sparkotype, even a few hours a week, could energize and shift her perspective, countering the exhaustion that often people feel when they're doing work that is just really poorly aligned with the fundamental impulses that make them feel alive. And we dive into this and really explore the tension, but also the many possibilities to find a great balance between work that makes you come alive and that quest for financial stability and security. So excited to share this with you. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked. Hi, Jonathan and the Sparked Brain Trust. My name is Elena. My pronouns are she and her. I've wanted to submit a question since probably last spring with my question morphing along the way. I was never really sure what exactly to ask. At this point, I think I'm just wondering about how to acknowledge my need for a certain income and the security it brings while not letting it masquerade as fear, holding me back from making real changes to my career for myself. I'm a performer maven and my anti-spark type is the essentialist. I've been with the same private mortgage lending company for almost 12 years now as a senior office manager. I've seen the company grow from just myself and the late owner to a company of 13 staff and growing. I came from a full-time position at another company as an account manager in my late 20s and took this job as part-time work, which would allow me the flexibility to go to auditions and to explore my other interests, specifically acting and live comedy at the time. Pre-pandemic, I was working part-time, splitting my time between auditions, playing at physical comedy, and getting into teaching yoga. I had recently completed my yoga teacher training in the spring of 2019. 
For years, I liked the security and flexibility this job gave me. It allowed me to pursue my other interests, which I see now fed the performer and maven in me while all supplementing my income. During the pandemic, the company has undergone some changes and I've gone along with those changes, taking on increased managerial responsibilities. Gradually, from March 2020 onward to early 2022, I've been taking on extra hours, squeezing in up to 10-hour days, three days a week, and then on the other days, which I used to have off, around five hours. But now I'm I'm working full-time hours consistently, and on certain days, I work later than I'd like to. In the summer of 2021, I made the decision to stop auditioning because the energy or the interest wasn't there for me anymore. It just wasn't the same as my experience pre-pandemic, and I was okay with that at the time. I think doing it more solo as opposed to with community and in person was a part of that. Meanwhile, I'd been teaching a group of performer friends yoga online once a week to work on developing as a teacher for a year and a half. And in the summer of 2022, the energy left that too. I, I just had this feeling at the time, like something else was around the corner. I felt positive about this change and I wanted to explore somatic work, which I would explore myself in my own kind of like laboratory of sorts. But that ended up not lasting very long at all. And I filled my time up with my growing responsibilities at work. We had just let someone go from my team, which was proved to be very extremely like an emotional, difficult time for me. And then in turn, I was responsible for new staff coming on board. I'm a loyal person. And because of my unique seniority at the, in the position at this growing company, I, I feel a sense of responsibility. I do like to connect with the people and coworkers at my company and to feel like I'm helping and making a difference. And I have these performer moments at times at work, but they pale in comparison to the connection I have felt when I'm performing on stage or just in front of people. I, I want a job that pays more than just the bills at this point. And if it's not as an actor, I'm fine with that. The idea of going back to self-tapes and auditioning actually feels strange to me at this point. And I find I'm researching many somatic bodywork fields and, and even more recently thinking about going back to school for psychotherapy. Whenever I consider working as a performer or an actor, and then more recently as a yoga somatic facilitator, I stop myself with this thought that I, I wouldn't make enough money. I wasn't able to pre-pandemic, at least as an actor. I'm 41, and the uncertainty and insecurity of my future, specifically not owning a home yet and renting, is giving me anxiety. My husband and I live in an area where housing is very expensive in comparison to other areas, but our different work and opportunities keep us here. And I'm, I'm glad for the great pay for my job, but ultimately I find the work draining. I'm not taking care of myself in the same way I used to. I drop my daily meditation and yoga habits. And with my anti-type being the essentialist, it's no wonder that my energy is so utterly depleted after a day of managing and administering in the office. I find myself in a more depressive energy during the week while I'm working. And I want a job that offers me the work-life balance that gives me meaning and fulfillment alongside people and the flexibility that allows me to take workshops and perform on stage in the evenings every now and then if I want. So back to my question, how do I balance and manage my real want for the security of a steady income so I can in the future own a home while move towards work that lights me up and is more aligned with my soul, my spark type? Thank you. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, 
the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Jenny Blake, it is always great to be back in conversation with you. Likewise. Esteemed member of the Spartan Brain Trust. And today we get to dive into a listener question from Elena who is doing this really interesting dance. And I thought you in particular would be a great person to uh, have this conversation around her question because you've done some of that dance. You're definitely wired differently. In fact, your your profile is almost the exact opposite um, from hers. But there she brought in the world of yoga and you have this interesting sort of like journey through the world of yoga in your own professional path as well. So when we kind of zoom the lens out here and just start with a bit of a, a macro take, what's going through your mind? My macro take on Elena's question is to say you're not alone. Every time I get on the phone in these last weeks and this year for some reason, I hear various forms of, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm going up the down escalator. I feel I'm driving in a snowstorm and I can't see ahead and the car is almost out of gas. There is a lot of confusion in the air. So the first thing I would say to Elena is, I completely understand the tension that you're feeling and this friction between wanting to pursue that performer aspect of you that is so strong while maintaining steady income. And even the entrepreneurs that I know who've been running their own business for over a decade are looking at job boards saying, is it time to call it? Do I need to go get a full-time job for a year or two? So I just want to start there that if we zoom out even beyond Elena's unique situation, you're not alone. There's something in the air. And it's a really, really confusing time for a lot of people. What's, what's yeah, your take? So, I, I so agree. And, you know, th- it's interesting because the psychology around work, purpose, possibility, meaning, energy, excitement, and security has changed in a pretty meaningful way over the last six months only, too. You know, it was about a year ago when we were having conversations about the great resignation and just the biggest numbers ever running from jobs and everybody sort of throwing caution to the wind. And because the assumption was there, you know, there's so many more opportunities out there than um, there are people like me. So I'm just going to go and do it. I can always, if I really have to, I can, I can boomerang back to this thing, you know, and everyone was just out there. Um, and, and there was this normalizing of safety and security and just the base covering your basic needs, not being centered in the same way for a lot of people. And again, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, people were just willing to take more risks. I think because it got normalized because they saw everyone around them doing it. And they're like, huh, maybe this is the time. Even if I'm not entirely comfortable with it, it seems like everybody's doing it. It seems like everybody's going to be okay because- The job market is just exploding. There's so many more opportunities than there are people. And now the pendulum is swinging back and we're seeing psychology in the job market change pretty dramatically. And again, 
just sweeping generalizations here. Everybody has their own unique circumstance, but I have definitely noticed a lot more people saying, you know what, maybe I'm actually not going to go and try to start my own thing right now or take what I think is a big risky chance on something entirely new because I'm not entirely sure I'm going to be able to cover myself if I do that or pay my mortgage, put food on the table, all the necessary stuff. And people are just being more cautious. And that doesn't mean that people aren't eventually making those moves and trying new things and looking for opportunities or starting their own thing. But I just feel like the level of caution around it and intentionality around it has gone up in a really meaningful way. Are you seeing that too? Definitely. I do a lot of work with tech companies and I kept thinking, okay, 2020, of course, everything is canceled. We'll get back to normal next year. And then 2021 vaccines roll out. Okay, fine. Things are still wonky. We'll get, be- we'll get better next year. I don't think anybody expected 23 to start with bank collapses and these massive tech layoffs. And I know that's just one sector, but even at the national level, the country can't figure out how to balance its debt. Hopefully by the time this comes out, that will have resolved itself somehow. But I keep thinking as above, so below that there is confusion at every level. And even hearing from companies' quarterly earning re- earnings reports, big brands like Disney don't even know what to do. They're bleeding money hand over fist, don't know how to navigate this move from streaming off of cable. And so I keep reminding myself, I'm like, even at the highest levels of business and government and banking, people are confused and they're being more conservative. You even said to me, Jay, there's a lot of money on the sidelines and it's rippling at the individual level. And so I 100% also see that correction from the great resignation and the movement and the feeling of motivation and really taking our lives into our own hands to now thinking, well, shoot, this is really prolonged. Now this is, I've been running my own business over 12 years, and this is the longest period I've experienced of tremendous uncertainty where it doesn't seem to let up. The pressure cooker keeps getting turned higher and higher. And so I would almost say it's maybe not a time to put pressure on yourself for Elena to have to have all the answers. Nobody does right now. And I can still understand wanting to process and try to balance the passions and things that you want to pursue, but also to maybe say, okay, let me just take a shorter time frame. Like, you know, in the long term, maybe I'll go back to school for psychotherapy. You'd love to buy a house someday. You like the urban area that you're living in, or assumed it was urban just because it was a slightly higher cost of living. But that choice feels good right now. Pursuing movement and somatic activities on the side and teaching and guiding friends on the side. Like, I think all of those things are so positive right now. And that it's almost that there's not quite enough clarity to make some massive, bigger, riskier move, like quitting your job outright, because financial security is paramount for so many people right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I just think there's, it's interesting to see how quickly the psychology um, is swinging. I think people are almost getting a little bit of whiplash these days because you can't count on the market being consistent long enough to, to make a decision and then feel comfortable you've made a good decision because you make it based on like what you think is happening now, what you think is going to happen for the next six months to a year. And then you blink and none of it's happening anymore, uh, or there are really big questions around it. You know, Elena's big question at the end was how do I balance and manage my real want for the security of a steady income so I can in the future own a home while moving toward work that lights me up and is more aligned with my soul and my spark type. And we are getting so many people who are coming to me, to our team, with some version of this question, regardless of what you're doing and regardless of what your 
particular Sparka type profile is. But let's let's actually get a little bit more um, granular because, and let's talk to her specific impulses. So, as um, Elena shared, performer Maven were her primary and uh, shadow. So, the performer, for those who don't know, this is an impulse where it's all about energizing, enlivening an interaction moment or experience. You know, the slogan of the performers is "I make magic moments" or "I make moments magic." And it's about the space in between um, you and an individual, a group of people, an audience, whatever it may be. It's about bringing that alive. And that can often we associate that with the performing arts and that you know certainly can show up there. It can show up in a sales conversation. It can show up in a boardroom. It can show up behind a bar. It can show up in parenting. It can show up in teaching. Really, it's it shows up all over the place. The maven, which was her shadow or her sort of runner-up or second place, that's all about knowledge acquisition. It's all about learning. This is somebody who just loves, loves, loves to learn. And her anti-sparkotype, which is the kind of work that tends to be the heaviest lift, require the greatest recovery and the greatest motivation from the outside in to actually do it. It may still be a part of your job, by the way. It doesn't mean you get to entirely opt out of it, but this helps explain that it just feels tougher for you for you know, like reasons that may objectively seem you know, like, well, it shouldn't feel that tough, but for you it does. And that's completely fine. It's just the way you're wired. And for her, it's the essentialist. And the work of the essentialist is to create order from chaos. This is systems, process, clarity, utility, which is kind of funny because that in fact is your primary. <laughs> um, you love this stuff. Like you're, you get energized, massively energized by the, the very types of things that deplete her, which is always kind of funny to see because most people can't imagine that the thing that depletes the most actually would really energize other people and vice versa. So when we start with that profile and in this particular environment, there can also be this sense, if we focus on the performer, for example, a lot of times there's this assumption that the optimal way to channel that to express is, is in some way, shape or form the performing arts. And that can be a great way to do it. But at the same time, one of the big assumptions about performing arts is that it is amongst the least stable, the least secure ways to actually invest effort. And I think that's a lot of the dance that uh, that, that is happening here. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds to me like she almost has a gut instinct that it's time to move on from the job. But I agree that maybe going all out into performing full time would be would send her into your her panic zone. I think about it as we all have a stagnation zone where you know something needs to change, comfort zone, stretch zone, where things are edgy and exciting, and then the panic zone where you're trying to do too much change at once. And going into full-time performing, I mean, they've got it really tough right now. At the time of this recording, there's a massive writer's strike. And there's so many podcast episodes just hearing from creative professionals who are really struggling right now and struggling to pay their bills even when they land coveted spots in big banner performances or shows. And so I think her gut is speaking to her actually quite strongly that that's very dramatic and may not provide for her value of security and just certain financial baseline. And I'm also hearing that the current role maybe is no longer serving her her performer archetype and the maven archetype. And it's incredible that, Elena, you've been in this position as senior office manager for so long. I wonder about making some kind of interim pivot where slowly over time, you, there's no rush, but you give yourself permission to look at other roles in other companies that would leverage your personality and your sparkotype a little bit more, where it's still a full-time job, you still have financial security, but that 
you know, even this period of having to work up to 10 hour days, three days a week, I mean, of course, that's not sustainable. And I think that those signals are really showing you, I, I can't sustain this. I don't want to sustain this. This work is no longer aligned. And maybe you don't make a dramatic shift right away, but that you give yourself permission as you're doing to start looking for what kind of role in what kind of organization could be a better fit and, and just let yourself explore that in your own timing. Yeah, I love that. And that's a lot of where my mind was going with this also. And and part of it, and, and maybe building on, is the notion of if we let go of the constraint that that the performer has to be expressed in the performing arts, and we start to say, no, actually, this can be really expressed at a high level in a lot of different work contexts that we just don't think about because we're kind of told that's not where the performer shows up. But in fact, it does all day, every day. That if you start to do two things, I think one, what you are offering Look at potential other opportunities, other jobs, other companies, other industries where you actually have, you have a regular paycheck, you have your benefits, you have some sense of security. It's a fairly stable industry and organization. Like, you know, you can bank on that. But at the same time, the nature of the work, either in the job description or what you see as possible, once you really understand what it is, would potentially allow that performer side to you to come out a lot more than it does now, but in a work context where you're actually celebrated and embraced and often rewarded financially for it. Things like opportunities that involve um, any form of facilitation or presentation, opportunities that involve sales, opportunities that involve like biz dev, opportunities that are training oriented. You know, these are opportunities and, and you don't think about it because you're like, well, that's not really performing, especially for somebody who has stage experience. But in fact, it can be. And I have seen people, I've dear somebody who you and I know, like dear friend was the head of culture at a fast growing startup. And, and he actually pivoted out of sales and into that role. And his favorite thing in the world to do was to actually create these magical training experiences. And this would like be on a weekly basis with like new people who are coming into the company and then with existing people in the company. And then when they would have their big annual events and conferences, you know, like this person would be the MC and they were, and figured out a way within a context of a company with a great paycheck and benefits and stability to actually be able to do all of the magical stuff that really made him come alive. So I think the invitation is in part to think about job opportunities, work opportunities that seem more mainstream, but actually may really let you express this performer impulse in a lot of ways that without thinking about it before and without really figuring out like what are the different ways to let it out might not be obvious on the surface, but once you just start to you know, like drop the inquiry into it, it just all sorts of different ways start to present themselves. I second that. I was going to tell you, right, even before you said facilitation, that one of my earliest career moves was going from being the office manager, webmaster, marketing assistant at a small startup onto training and development at Google. And that training role, I trained over a thousand people my first year. And it was so dynamic because every day I was up on my mini stage of teaching new employees how to do their job. I've met so many people. I just the other day had lunch with somebody that I had trained 15 years prior. We still have those relationships. So it really does fit that performer archetype where you get to be in front of people and try to make the material interesting. And it also speaks to the maven aspect because you get to absorb material and try to communicate it back out to people in a way that's interesting and engaging. And you're building relationships that are really rapid clips. So I was just also going to say how rewarding I found 
a training and development type role to be with facilitation. And then you can always, once you've got your foot in the door of that kind of department, at least at Google, we had G2G courses, which is Googlers teaching Googlers. So you can still do your yoga classes on the side or, or offering. There were, there were people who offered yoga to fellow Googlers or had their own skills that they were excited to teach that it becomes easier once you have that core role that's a little more fulfilling to also incorporate the experimental stuff that you're working on. And the other idea I had, Jay, was now, you know, you and I have been talking about ChatGPT and these generative big large language learning models and things, but I haven't tried this. I just heard somebody suggest putting in your interests and having it suggest potential job roles. And I think that would be a really fun thing to try at this point, like putting in any random combination of things that interest you and saying, give me a hundred potential job positions in today's market or whatever it is, make it an outrageous number. And if the GPT or whichever whichever large language model you're using, if it spits out, you know, banal things or not enough, just keep typing, what else, what else, what else? Can you give me 25 more? And I feel like that might be a creative way to also spark ideas about what's possible that we might not even be thinking of in this moment. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, you never want to be constrained by just a, a, a very short list of very conventional ways that you think about it. Um, and if this even feels a little bit too edgy or a little bit too moving away from safety and security and, you know, like a, a regular paycheck right now, then I would also say, like, take a look at what you're actually doing, you know, and say, okay, what assumptions have I been making about, like, this is the way that it always has been done and this is the way that it needs to be done from this moment forward. And are those really true? Are there ways that I can actually let this part of myself out? You know, like in this organization, in this culture, in this role, it might not even be a defined responsibility of your job. But if you look around within the organization, and, and this is actually, um, it comes out of a lot of research around what, what um, people call job crafting, where first you look at within the context of my job, are there ways that I can step into it differently where I can bring more of these impulses to it? But then if I even look beyond just the constraints, the responsibilities that I'm, you know, quote, being paid to do, and I look at the organization, I look at the teams, I look at the people around, are there needs, are there opportunities for me to actually be this person, to express this impulse, to come more fully alive um, in ways that are available, that would be valuable to others? Because if there are, then what the research says is like those who often just start stepping into that and doing it, not only do you come more fully alive and just feel a lot better, but people tend to really notice that. And that tends to accelerate job growth within the organization because it presents as initiative and it presents as somebody who's out there solving problems that other people didn't see. And here's the really cool thing in this particular case. The performer is actually the most underrepresented of all of the sparkotypes. So if you do have that impulse and there are things that would really benefit from that impulse in the organization, chances are most others, actually, that is their anti-sparkotype. And pretty much everybody else is running from those opportunities, even if they see them, because they don't want to do that. If you see the opportunity and you have this impulse and you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I would love to do this and you step into it, it could just create some really magical moments and opportunities for you to then turn around and create magical moments and opportunities for others. So I would say, even if you know, you're not quite comfortable looking outside for new opportunities, look within too. And with a new lens, you know, and say like, where, where do, are, are there opportunities for me to do this thing that might exist even outside of the, the very specific responsibilities that I was hired to do? 
Yeah, totally. I love that idea and just getting curious right where you are and starting small. Because another theme that I was hearing in Elena's question is, I am tired. You know, yeah. it's been a couple years. And by the way, you're not alone yeah, in that either. Like all. <laughs> we, We're all feeling it. And not to take anything away from you, but just to say, we are all feeling it. I can relate so much. And so I know how that feels that when you're exhausted and you have been putting in extra time at work because you are so loyal and you are such a great team member and they're so lucky to have you. Sometimes it feels like I don't even have the energy to keep up with my own daily meditation and yoga habits that I would love to have, let alone craft my job in the most ideal way. So I would also give yourself permission. I just hear that, you know, sense that during the week, you even said it's almost a depressive state that to allow that on some level, it's not that you're not going to change it, but just to acknowledge like, this is really tough right now. I'm here because I need financial security, but it's not soul stirring. And take the small steps that you are, or you can give yourself permission to not take any steps at all for another month. Like you just do bare bones, the basics, not quite quitting, but I mean, you don't put extra pressure on yourself to solve everything right now. I know you. it's been many years of, of kind of feeling through the dark a little bit about what to do, but sometimes I just find that I need to give myself permission to put it all down and and pause. And then I say to myself, I, I actually give myself sometimes a, fine, um, a calendar date, like, okay, I'm going to pick this back up in one month. But between now and then, I don't have to think about it at all. I'm just going to accept where I am, be grateful for the paycheck, and not go above and beyond with my thinking cycles, because those become exhausting. And sometimes in that month, when you just put it down, Later, new synapses will fire or new serendipitous moments will occur, synchronicities. Some new information can be revealed in that time that you're more in a position of receiving rather than problem solving. Yeah, no, completely agree. And I love that sort of like ease the pressure off. And I would add one final thought here also, which is, let's say you do, maybe you want to explore other things outside. Maybe you want to explore things like reimagining interior. Maybe you want to um, just set it down for a window of time and just like not have to think about it and like live with the weight of the fact that there's this thing that I'm just not doing. Just, just get it out of your mind. And one other thing that you can do no matter what you do is find some completely non-career oriented, non-professional oriented, non-quote, you know, capital W work oriented channel to let this impulse out. People sometimes constrain the spark types to just their work, the job, the thing they get paid for. It's great when you can align it with that, but this is the spark types are just about an impulse about the fundamental way that we exert effort in our lives and the way it makes us feel. It makes us come alive. So find way, like go play, like whatever it may be, find like things that you can do for an hour, two hours, three hours a week on the side, at night, on the weekends, one night a week in the workshop, you know, whatever it may be for no other reason than to let this essential part of you out in a joyful way, without expectation, without burdening it with the have to earn money from doing it, simply because it makes you come alive. And that act, honoring it and bringing it in back into your life in the margins even, tends to really shift the way that you feel. Even if you feel like you're working 10-hour days, we see this all the time. It's exhausting. It's burnout-inducing. I couldn't possibly add another thing. What's amazing is when you do add one other thing, 
that actually is a thing that gives you energy rather than takes energy. It's counterintuitive in the beginning, but it actually brings you back to a much more energized and replenished state. So people find that actually bringing that thing back in the side, it doesn't make them even more exhausted. It makes them more alive. As you were saying that, it made me think as well of taking a vacation where the vacation is actually to do those things (laughs) that feel playful and joyful. Here on the East Coast, we have Kripalu and Omega, but I'm thinking, could you go take a somatic wisdom workshop? That's my friend Christy has a podcast. So that phrase came into my mind. But I mean, along those lines or some three-day workshop where you're eating good food, you're out of your day-to-day, it's not full-out quitting, you're just taking a vacation, but you're like filling that time because instead of the anxiety of trying to sit on a beach and relax when you have this big weight, like what you were saying, Jonathan, of just how fulfilling it can be to insert those activities that you love and give them space and be around other people who love that thing too. I have found that to be very energizing in the past of like putting myself in the path of these types of people and this type of learning, especially as a maven, even if it's just three days, I will come home so refreshed. Yeah, same, same. Well, I think this is a good place for us to wrap. Any final thoughts, Jenny, before we close out the conversation? I would just say, hang in there, and I commend all the exploration that you're already doing. I just caught up with my friend Penny yesterday, who wrote a book called The Intuitive Way, and she reminded me of this phrase. I call it the quintessential Pennyism, which is that intuition works on a need-to-know basis. You won't know until you know, and that it arrives in perfect timing at the moment that you need to hear it. And I think that Elena is doing so much to maintain her day job while exploring, while learning more about herself through these sparkotypes. Keep going and trust that you will be shown what to do and that sometimes that information, it just doesn't come in a flood all at once or even on our own timeline, but it will arrive. And you are putting yourself in such a perfect position to be able to hear it. Mm, Love that. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. As always, it's a pleasure hearing your questions. If you have questions, by the way, please head over to sparkdive.com and you will find a place where you can submit your questions to us. We always love to hear them. And we will see you all again next week. Take care. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life. Take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.